Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 109. Today, we're talking about the yes brain with Dr. Dan Siegel. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you're thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of peace and cooperation. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft, for sure. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And if you're new, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast here we have interviews and we have conversations and we have solo podcasts. And today is an interview with the one and only Dr. Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel is known as a mindfulness expert and for his work developing the field of interpersonal neurobiology. Dr. Siegel is a founding co-director of the UCLA Mindful Awareness Research Center. He's written five parenting books, including three New York Times bestsellers, Brainstorm, The Whole Brain Child, and No Drama Discipline, and Parenting from the Inside Out with Mary Hartzell. Dr. Siegel's unique ability to make scientific concepts exciting and accessible has led him to be invited to speak to everyone from Pope John Paul II to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. 
His latest book is The Yes Brain, How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity, and Resilience in Your Child with Tina Payne Bryson. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation and learn the importance of that yes brain versus the no brain and how we can build resilience in our children and how we can use our minds to actually change the brain's function and structure. Wild, right? And it really applies it all to parenting. It's really, really a valuable conversation. Before we jump into this conversation, I just want to let you know that right now, if you're listening to this when it comes out live, we are in the midst of the Mindful Parenting free live training week. You can jump in and join the last few days if you like. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And Mindful Parenting Course is opening at the end of this week. So chances are you might be listening when the Mindful Parenting Course is open for registration. You can join and transform your parenting. We use all of the things we talk about here in this episode, and you learn not only to use communication skills that make it so you don't have to be that the enforcer anymore and you don't have to threaten anymore, but we also learn those mindfulness skills and those self-compassion skills to help you turn down your reactivity and help you access that prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which we'll talk about in this episode. So if you're interested in that, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. If you want to join the free training, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And now on to this episode. All right, Dan Siegel, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. Great to be here, Hunter. Thanks for having me. Before we dive in, I just have to tell you, you know, I've got a stack of like three or four books here on my desk. I'm such a big fan. I'm so excited about the new Yes Brain book, and I really want to talk about that. But I also want to, I'm curious about your own history. Like you dove into parenting and all of these, this research and all of this stuff so thoroughly in your own life. I wonder, how were you parented? Was your interest in this an extension of like a really positive, connected relationship, or were you in reaction to uns? skillful parenting in your own childhood? Well, you know, that's a question I usually don't address in a public forum, personal thing. So while I talk about my own parenting experience as a parent or, you know, raising my kids, I talk about that. I kind of honor the privacy of my parents. So I actually don't talk about that. Okay. I totally will honor that that privacy as well. I think for me, my curiosity about that is coming from reading from parenting from the inside out and knowing that this that history is such so valuable. It's been that work you've done with that has been so valuable to me, like addressing those questions about understanding what our own baggage is in so many ways. I think that's incredibly valuable. But let's Let's dive into this idea with the yes brain and the no brain. And I think this is so interesting. So I was wondering, you know, if you can tell, tell the listener, what is this idea of the yes brain versus the no brain? Well, what I experienced as a professional was on a number of levels, focused very deeply into this idea that the brain relationships and the mind are woven with each other, not the same thing. And that in workshops, when people realize the brain can be in a reactive state where you're not open to new things and you're getting ready to deal with threat, if you knew that that reactive state was there in yourself, 
you could find a way to, to come out of it and then move yourself to the other state, which is a receptive state. And so in workshops, the way I found it helpful to have parents or clinicians learn about these two states is to say no really harshly several times, and then to say yes in a soothing way many times, and then to have people experience the difference between the no brain is what you could call it, brain state that's created when someone says no harshly, and the yes brain, this state of mind that's created with certain neural firing and that happens in a certain relational context that's allowing you to be receptive and open and connecting. So for example, when someone makes sense of their life, like your first question is asking about making sense of life. And as a professional, I'm so out in the world, I found it very useful to teach people about these things, but also important to clarify what's personal information and what's professional work. And in that clarity, you can also understand how people can move into deep understandings in their own life, but that understanding doesn't mean they share with their children what happened to them in their own parenting. So when we say make sense of your own life, it doesn't mean dump your own issues and worries about your childhood onto your children. It means make sense of your life so you can develop this yes brain state yourself. So doing the workshop of yes brain and no brain is so interesting because it gives people direct access to the receptive state of mind, which is really the brain state, the yes brain state of presence and parental presence being open and available to your child is the best gift you can give them. And it also turns out to be a gift you can give yourself as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. So that idea of no is this idea of resistance and we're tensing and clenching and tightening ourselves and that's reflected in the brain. And then you take this idea of the yes brain in the book and the no brain into this idea of cultivating it in our children. And so I wonder if you could talk to this idea of like why we should cultivate this idea of this receptivity and this presence and this connecting in our children specifically and also in ourselves. Well, you know, when you're aware of these two states, the no-brain state of reactivity, which shuts you down, and the yes-brain state of being open and connecting to oneself and also to others, that's the first stage of learning when to engage, let's say, with other people, let's say your child, so that if you're in a no-brain state, that's not a good time to be parenting. And learning the techniques to not only be aware of that state, but to transform the no-brain reactivity into yes-brain receptivity. That's what the Yes Brain book is all about, with very specific skills that you learn as a parent, of course, for yourself, but also how to teach those skills to your child so she or he can you know, learn to recognize these states, to embrace them for what they are, but then to move from the reactivity to receptivity. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Thinking about the listener who's listening and saying, well, I've got this like two-year-old that's saying no to everything and all of these things, these things are driving me crazy. And I don't want to be receptive to my child, like not wearing shoes to school or, or deciding to throw their stuff all over the floor. Like, what do you say to that parent who's saying like, who's really questioning this idea of being receptive and how that plays out in sort of the nitty gritty of parenting life? Well, Hunter, that's a really great question. And when Tina Payne Bryson, my co-op, we were concerned that name would basically make parents think it was permissive parenting book was all about or that we were testing was the way to go. And children need structure. And the yes brain approach is absolutely not about permissive parenting. It doesn't mean you say yes to everything. So we try to make it very clear in the very first page of the book that this is not about permissive parenting. It's about really learning four basics of a yes brain, which spell the word breathe, the cheese, breathe. It's a cheesy acronym, but it's balance, resilience, insight, and empathy. And when you learn that these are skills you as a parent can teach your child, then it really empowers you to say, I can create structure, so it's not permissive parenting, while also teaching my child the way I can be attuned to them and connect to them so that they achieve a kind of internal balance. I can actually teach them skills to widen what I call a window of tolerance, this way to embrace, let's say, sadness or anger or fear and not become dysfunctional with it, but actually sit with it. So that's resilience to widen that window. Insight is to give them the skills of knowing what's going on, not only right now, but to understand the past so you can free yourself up in the future. That's insight. And then you build the skills of empathy, the E of Brie, you know, with basically moving from a focus on one's own internal life with balance and resilience and insight. Now building on that capacity to tune into the inner life of someone else, to be also concerned about their welfare and and be compassionately engaged in action to help 
support the well-being and reducing the suffering of other people. So that's empathy in a nutshell. I've been really interested in the idea of empathy, right? And that empathetic response with kids and things. And sometimes we talk about this idea of the development in the brain of kids, right? And the prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop till they're in their 20s and all of that. But, and yet maybe these are kind of the seats of these things, right? Isn't the seats of empathy and insight and all those things. So how young can kids develop some of these things if their brain is still physically developing this capacity? Well, I think the first place to start with that really intriguing question is to say that the brain is is developing based on two things. One is genetic information that forms things like our temperament and some of the timing of how we develop. And the second thing is, you know, the experiences we have. And those, because we're social beings, you know, are dominated by our relational experiences. And so you as a parent can't do much once you pick the sperm and egg that are going to form your child. There's not that much you can do with their genes. So that's going to be something that makes every child unique and different. But the experiences you can influence include how you tune into your child as early as, you know, when they're first born. So tuning into their internal state, not just responding to their external behavior, but tuning in and speaking about the internal life of the mind we can just call that a reflective dialogue, that actually encourages the development of the child's own reflective skills. And skills are really what we aim to develop as parents. So all these things begin really from the first days of life. So my own kids, you know, my in-laws would say, hey, don't don't hug your kids. They're going to spoil them. And they were just four weeks old, you know. And I, I would say to them, and as an attachment researcher, Actually, you can't spoil a child in the first year of life. The research shows the more you hug your child and give affection to your child, actually the more, and I don't usually use this word, but self-reliant, I don't like the word self-use that way, but the more kind of at home in their own skin and feeling at ease and clear and able to have this balance, resilience, insight, and empathy, all those yes brain skills happen when we give affection to kids. So it happens from the very beginning is the answer to the question. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about that idea of that just reflecting back their emotional state from, we can do that from the very beginning, but that's part of what helps to, to bring them into, you talk about the red zone, the green zone, blue zone. Maybe we should, you should explain that, what that is for the listener. Yeah. So what's really interesting in terms of like thinking about your own brain, you may notice this Hunter and our listeners may, may appreciate this too, is that there are kind of three places we can get into in our lives that, are remarkably consistent across individuals and even within an individual. And and those are times when you're chaotic, where things are really flooding you and intense and very difficult to predict. So we can use the word chaos. Sometimes those are like super energized, but sometimes not. So some people call it hyper arousal, but that doesn't really fit completely. But that's a, a rough estimate. So things are really at least randomly activated even if they're quiet about it. And then there's at the other extreme from chaos is completely predictable, where things are in a pattern that is something you can rely on over and over again. It just doesn't change. Even when it should be changing, it doesn't change. So it's, it's rigid, right? So it's not just the idea of solid and stable, you know, where you're a, a solid person. No, we're talking about 
like rigid. So these two extremes, at the one hand, you've got chaos, the other rigidity are like banks of a river. And the third state we can get into, the central flow of the river, is what you could just think of intuitively as harmony. It has five characteristics that spell the word faces, so it's flexible, it's adaptive. Uh, there's a math term called coherent, which basically means resilient over time. It's energized, a sense of vitality, and it's stable. So not meaning it's rigid, but stable, meaning you can rely on it to be flexibly adaptive and everything like that. It's a, you can turn to that state. And that state, interestingly, is a state that is created with a process called integration, the linking of differentiated parts and the balancing of this differentiation and linkage. And there's a bunch of brain science about that, and there's a bunch of mathematics about it. And I'm an attachment researcher. There's a bunch of attachment research you can use to look at that. But, but in terms of how we try to articulate this in the book, you know, people like colors sometimes. And so we call that central integrated flow of harmony the green zone, like for go, green for go. And the people often associate the color red with chaotic stuff, you know, like, oh my God, it's out of control. So that's called it the red zone. And then this kind of cooled down, rigid, like an iceberg, not changing, although an iceberg changes, but, you know, something solid and rigid, not solid in the stable sense, but rigidified and unchanging. We just call that the blue zone, just to make it accessible in the book. But in other books, what I do, like The Developing Mind, the textbook, you know, I basically talk about chaos, I mean, the red zone, rigidity, that's the, the blue zone, and then the green zone is basically the integrative state of the faces, flow, flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable. So that's the science behind the simple terms of mm-hmm. these colored zones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so our goal as parents, as you articulate really beautifully in the book, is to help our kids be in the green zone, help ourselves be in the green zone. And you talk about some different ways that we can do that. So what are what are some of the different ways that we can, ways that we can develop that, you know, that resilience and that, well, let's talk about resilience. So what are the ways that we can develop some resilience in our kid? And does it mean that we are, and I like the way you talk about this in the book too, like you're talking about, it's very much the middle path, which I appreciate very much. The idea of not all holding their hand and helicoptering, and it's not all this, this idea of pushing them out there and do it on your own kid. But you talk about this idea of the middle path. So I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think the middle path is a great way of, summarizing it and you know the the thing that's you know it's it's kind of like this it's like as a parent myself i think i share with a lot of a lot of us as parents you know is in the thick of parenting it's hard sometimes to remember the clarity of mind when you've entered the red chaotic zone or the blue rigid zone so anything we can do to support each other as parents and i certainly feel this as a, an educator you know, in terms of your first question about my own history, you know, I, I feel inside of me kind of badly that I didn't respond to your question with some kind of psychotherapeutic outpouring of revelations. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's part of my mind is still with there in kind of stuck in the, in the blue zone of that. But I'll just say this, that, you know, I think everyone has challenges in their lives in various to various degrees. And of course, the challenges in my own life Uh, influence and inspire my everything, my walks around the block, my way I'm parenting, the way I have a romantic relationship, they influence everything. And of course, it influences my professional life. 
And so, you know, part of what I love about the work on the mind is that, of course, it can be deeply satisfying personally. And I've been incredibly grateful to to connect with people in these conversations about like parenting from the inside out with Mary Hartzell, you know, just the idea of a journey for understanding yourself. And so what we can do is invite people to understand things like how their own experiences as a child influence them. But also as a scientist, I find my part of my role is to try to translate the science. So for parents, the thing I think that's so accessible is to say, look, there's a yes state and a no state. And a no state has two forms, chaos, you know, red, or rigidity, you know, blue. And your first task as a person on the planet, you know, whether you're a parent or a professional of any sort or a politician or whatever you are, your first obligation for our role in a human family is to say, am I in this no brain state or am I in a yes brain state? Because nothing very positive happens in a no brain state. So in terms of your question about teaching kids resilience, it starts with us. And this is why Tina and I put in the book, Time to Reflect on Your Own Skills This Way. Mary Hartzell and I put it throughout Parenting from the Inside Out. And the idea there to build resilience is if you picture these zones, right, the green in the middle flanked on either side by red and blue, our task as parents is to, for the balance part, to teach kids what it feels like to be in that green zone. And when they get out of the green zone, return to the green zone. That's what we call balance. And there are certain brain mechanisms that allow you to do that, that you can teach as a parent. And the second thing you're asking about, about resilience, is if you can imagine this green zone, this river of integration that's flowing, you want to widen that river. You want to, let's take sadness, for example. If there's a family where someone's own history of loss make it so sadness was absolutely overwhelming and needs to be gotten rid of at all costs and they haven't made sense of their life from an inside out approach yet then when they have children and their children are sad and the sadness in the child evokes sadness in the parent because that's what we do we connect with each other that way and that parent has a hot button issue for sadness then what's going to happen in that family is the width of that green zone for the state of sadness is going to be super, super narrow. And to build resilience in that family, for that parent and for that child, the way to think about it is you want to widen that, I call it a window of tolerance, you want to widen that green zone width. And here's how you do it. Let's say sadness comes up. First of all, you have to do the own, your own work yourself. And it's like the first question you asked, you know, mm-hmm. how does your parenting of origin influence you? Of course, it influences everyone. So understanding how it influenced you is what's so important to do. That's what the research shows and that's what clinical experience shows. So that's the first step. So you say, okay, well, you know, I had a loss when I was a child. So sadness is really hard for me. And so I got to work on the sadness. You do that work. Okay. Now, how do you build that in your child? Your ability to sit in awareness with the emotion of sadness and not yourself get into the red zone or the blue zone is what your child will pick up from you. So in an interaction, once you've done that internal work, because if you haven't, 
what I'm about to say won't fly. It's not going to work. But if you have done that work, this is what you can do. Your child falls down and hurts themselves and feels sad that they can't go ice skating now because they have a bloody knee, you know, because they scraped their knee hiking on a path or something. Or, you know, a friend doesn't come over for their birthday party because the friend has the flu. Whatever the sadness is evoked by, and your child's going into the red zone. So some parents, what they do, and this we would call a no-brain approach, is yell at the child for being upset and sad at a friend who had a flu and say, that's stupid. Your friend didn't cause the flu and don't be a spoiled brat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, let's just stay with that example of the, the flu. You know, or the child would just start sulking in the back. Maybe wasn't really screaming and crying in a red zone state. They are in a blue zone state and rigidly not interacting with the other friends at the party. So what that tells you is that your child has left the green zone of integration and they can't embrace this emotional state of sadness. Now, at that moment at the party, you'll just do what you need to do. But in general, if you're going to build the skill of resilience, you would want to have an experience. You could probably do this at the party too. You'd want to sit down with your child and say, tell me what you're feeling. Well, Billy isn't here at the party because, you know, he said he was going to be here, but he's not here. And then instead of saying, that's stupid, you know, why are you such a spoiled kid? No, you don't say that. That's a no-brain response. You say, tell me more about that. Oh, I'm so sad he's not here. It's really, I really wanted, I love Billy. I wanted to be here. And so with a practice we call the wheel of awareness, you say, yes, of course, you're sad that Billy's not here because you so love Billy and you wanted him to be here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you're naming the feeling of sadness. And then you're saying, you know, Let's just sit with the sadness. So you're not giving him a time out and you're not yelling at him and you're not telling him he's stupid for having this feeling, which a lot of parents do. You're saying, tell me more about that feeling. And so you're respecting the differentiated internal state of your child. You're not overwhelmed with sadness that's throwing you into rigidity because you've worked on your own issues. You know, so you're sitting with your child's sadness and helping them explore that. And what that does is the isolation your child felt when his friend couldn't come to the party and the abandonment and betrayal and sadness and all that stuff, instead of being alone and being given a timeout, they're now with you. So they feel connected to you. And now you're helping them explore the internal world. And what you're doing is you're teaching them and literally would change the connections in the brain. You're teaching them that the feeling of sadness can be experienced without being thrown into the non-integrated chaotic red zone or shut down rigid blue zone. And you're literally widening the intensity of sadness that they can allow themselves to become aware of without becoming dysfunctional. So he can say, I was really sad that Joey didn't, Billy didn't come, you know, and I also love Billy and I hope he gets over his flu because I can't wait to show him all these fun things we were doing at the party when he's better. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So that your your child's feeling seen. It's all about healing through that relationship. If you've done that healing work in yourself, so you can be non-reactive. It's like healing through that relationship. I'm seeing you. I'm hearing you. I'm I'm there to to be grounded when you're not. Exactly. That. Yeah. And that gives you, Hunter, you know, it gives you as a parent, is what Tina and I tried to do in the book, it gives you very specific skill building practices. So that you see parenting as an opportunity, of course, of seeing your child, of soothing your child, of keeping your child safe so they're secure. That's all beautiful and powerful stuff. You're also building skills. And when you see parenting as a skill-building opportunity, you actually see what are sometimes the hardest challenging moments as actually those moments that invite deep learning of skills. So it's a really fun turnaround So that we see a lot of parents who felt burdened by their parenting role, who felt confused about what to do. And, you know, whether it's a whole brain child or no drama discipline or yes brain or, you know, that I did with Tina or parenting from the inside out. All of those books or brainstorm even, you know, all of these books are trying to empower parents to learn just a little bit of the basic established science that is often not talked about. So that, you know, as Louis Pester said, you know, chance favors the prepared mind. You will, as a parent, learning these yes brain skills, have a very different and empowered way to approach your parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I have to share with you when my daughter was really little, my baggage that I had left over was a lot of anger. And when her anger and frustration arose. I got angry at her for being angry, which makes so much sense. But exactly. it was just like, it was ridiculous, you know, and I knew it was harmful and I knew it was ridiculous. And I did a lot of work to work on that myself. And I wonder about that because it's interesting because I've seen her now that she's 10, you know, I've seen huge transformations in her. And I think I've definitely seen her her window of tolerance widen. But, you know, sometimes I think parents, we read the information, some of the science that is out there sometimes about attachment, and we get scared that, oh my God, 
I, since, you know, when we're young, when our, when our kids are young, we're all figuring it out and we're learning all these lessons on all these challenges are coming up. I've totally messed it up because these first three years are the most important. Can you just talk briefly to that? Like this, this is an ongoing learning opportunity, right? And an ability for us to change and grow. Yes, there are two sides to it. It's always possible to make changes. So, you know, I have adults who bring in their adult, of course, parents, you know, and we do family work around trying to make sense of what happened, you know, because for the most part, most human beings have good intentions Mm -hmm. and there's just stuff gets in the way. And part of this whole thing we're talking about is, you know, how you can use your mind to get over the, the learned brain stuff that gets in the way. And this is the amazing thing that the mind can actually change the brain's function and structure. So it's a very exciting moment. And so you're talking about in your case, you know, that anger was a leftover issue. And, and that then of course became an issue for your daughter, because that's exactly what happens. It's very powerfully described in your, your example of yourself. And what it invites us to consider then is that and this is why I never would have written a single parenting book had I not written in Parenting from the Inside Out first, mm-hmm. because it's exactly what you're saying. Doing the internal work first is what's necessary. And, you know, a lot of parents don't want to hear that. They don't want to do that. And they want to say, help me fix my child, you know, or tell me just what to do. But in fact, it isn't so much about the doing, it's about the being. Like, who are you? as a person, as a parent. And so that's the inside out, uh, parenting from the inside out approach. And once you embrace that, then all the strategies of integration we're talking about here, like for example, the yes brain approach, then you start applying those just as you're saying, but no matter how much you might do that, if you don't take the time to say, Hey, anger is an issue for me. And you start yelling at your child for being angry. You can see the vicious cycle that gets into Mm-hmm. And so in terms of your question about the timing, yes, you know, earlier, the better, for sure, but it's never too late. And the second thing is there's no such thing as perfect parenting. So being kind to yourself and realizing we're all human and make bloopers. That's why I always put with my children's permission or in the old days when they were giving me permission, I would always put times when I really messed up as a parent. It was my error and and then my effort to make a repair. And I really feel it's crucial for any parent to realize that you're doing the best you can and you can learn strategies for deepening your own self-understanding and how you make a repair with yourself and with your child when things don't go as well as you hope they would. Daniel or Dan. I, I, do people call you Daniel or Dan? My mom calls me Daniel when she's Daniel. mad at me. Okay, so I won't call But you. most people call me Dan and my <laughs> friends from high school call me Danny. All right. So it depends, I'll, on what, 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 depends on what mood you're in. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. I really, I really admire your work and it's really, I mean, I, I feel emotional because it's really made such an incredible heartfelt difference in my own life. And I've been sharing your resources with so many of my clients and in the mindful parenting course that I teach, I share these resources and this work. I feel like I just want to thank you because the work that you've put out there has made an incredible difference in the world of the clarity and the insight and the 
just the very the ways that you get across these ideas that can be very complex in such an accessible way and makes a huge huge difference to so many people is making incredible ripple effects so i'm just so grateful for this work that you've done well thank you hunter thank you it's a it's an honor to be here with you speaking about it and i'm very grateful that it's of service to other people and that means everything to me so thank you so much yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, people go out, listener, please go out and get the Yes Brain. It's great. Definitely read Parenting from the Inside Out. Obviously, it's a great resource. Is there any other ways that you'd like to direct people to find your work, Jen? You know, if you want to go to my website, drdansiegel.com, D-R-D-A-N-S-I-E-G-E-L.com, we have got a bunch of things you can do for parents. There's all sorts of I mean, if you get interested in this stuff, there's in-person things, there's courses you can take, you know, that it depends on your style of learning. So I try to do all these things as audiobooks and video programs. And so whatever fits with who you are, we try to make those kinds of things available to you and just check them all out on our website. Thank you so much, Dan. I really, really appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank you so much, Hunter. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't you love Dr. Siegel and his way of putting things so clearly and beautifully is amazing. And I'm so appreciative for this conversation. If you want to learn more, if you want to implement the stuff we talk about in this conversation, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. We are opening the course for registration. It'll be open for a few weeks. And if you are able to jump into the last few days of the free training, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. But check out the course because, you know, these are relationships for life, right? And, you know, we can't help our reactivity and we can't, this is our biology, but we can do something about it. You know, it, it's there. This is, these are the cards we are dealt, but we can change. We can use our mind to change our brains, just as Dr. Siegel said. So, Learn more about it over at mindfulparentingcourse.com. As always, if you have questions, send them over to me, hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. And I really appreciate your ears today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please share it around with your friends. It's eye-opening, right? It kind of changes the way we look at things. So please do that. And please have a beautiful week. Take care of you. Create that peace and groundedness in yourself, and I'm so glad to have been able to connect with you. I really love the way that, you know, we get this intimate connection through the podcast. You know, I really appreciate you there on the other end. I feel your presence, and it makes it incredibly valuable for me. So I hope to connect with you over the Mindful Parenting course, and I wish you a really beautiful week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond 
rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say that, so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and the hidden myth that undermines your parenting. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.